Hello everyone and welcome to the show. My name is Ola and this is the Real Happy Hour podcast. And today we're going to be bouncing around films around black representation in films. And we'll also talk about, you know, the, the, the integration of social media in films. And I've got an amazing guest today and we will just, you know, have a great conversation and talk about the films we enjoy, the films we, we critique and the films that we'd like to see more of in terms of representation. And um, as the name of the show sort of connotes, we've got drinks here. I've got a nice cocktail here that I'm going to be having off for the show as it's a real happy hour. And um, I think Dr. Niyosh has also got one over there and we're just going to be having a great time. So let's get right into it. Let's get right into it. So thank you for coming onto the show. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Today's been a great day and I'm very happy to be having this conversation with you. So let's just start from um, how do we experience black representation in film? Because obviously I'm Nigerian, African, you're American, Native American. And the way we no, receive I'm black American, black American. Yeah, I stand corrected. Um, <laughs> and so the way we, we receive films, um, probably different, probably the same. But I just like to know your experience mm -hmm. of um, of black representation in film and how you, you know, see it. Okay. So two things real quick. Uh, I don't have a cocktail because it's like three <laughs> o'clock in the afternoon. I live in Washington, DC and, um, and I have water that is infused <laughs> with ginger, mint, um, gosh, it's a lot of stuff in here. Uh, ginger, mint, cucumbers, and lemon. So that's oh, what I'm thinking. Nice. Uh, mine is, um, um, Pepsi and, I, and, um, Absolute. <laughs> it's like Pepsi. 8 p.m. here, so Pepsi. I'm a vodka kind of guy. Um, so Pepsi? Yeah, Pepsi. Okay. Yeah. Um, That's blasphemy in parts of this country. But, uh, but yeah, so I have a master's and PhD in media. I, um, and I teach um, variations of intercultural communication and media. Um, so when I think about representation, which is what, um, you know, I got both my master's and PhD from Howard University, and that is a, a huge part of our, um, um, I guess, our curricula throughout the School of Communication when you have, when you're looking at media, um, and not just, um, any form of media, let me be very clear, it's not just film, right? So I, um, when I think about representation and I want to make sure I'm answering your question directly, but I had to do some sort of intro of myself because I want people to know, like, you know, that I can talk about this stuff from um, a, a scholarship perspective as well. But what we find is that the, um, the lack of representation has um, greatly affected how people see themselves in real life. Right. So if you don't see yourself in the commercials, right, in, in film, um, on television shows, um, in magazines, then you don't have that, you don't, you don't feel like you see yourself when you look in the mirror. So when you have films um, like, you know, Black the Black Panther and, and um, Wakanda Forever, and you see this all Black, like 99% of the cast, um, what was black of African descent, then it inspires young people to want to strive for better and, and, and to think in a more, have a more, if you will, regal mindset and not settle, right? So Hollywood, unfortunately, 
um, um, has done an amazing job of suppressing black representation in film. And it dates back to them destroying um, the first black filmmakers um, reels, Oscar Michaud. And so uh, many of his um, footage and many of his films were destroyed in a fire. And, um, and it was not a, uh, an accident you know and we that goes kind of without saying and you don't have to have proof like it was the, it was a sign of the times and um while dw griffith was credited with um creating the first full feature length film historically um oscar michelle had done that prior to birth of a nation but there's no proof of that right we just know it happened and so um when you are so when you look at uh rep, how we look um, and how we are portrayed today, you can't start with today. You have to go with the historical context of Black representation in film. So for those um, uh, viewers and listeners who have not, uh, are not familiar with the history of film, you know, you look at um, Birth of a Nation, you know, that was aired on at the White House at the time, right? In, here in America, and it was 1895, and it's credited with being the first full full length feature film, and it's about um, it's really a mess, right? To be honest with you, um, but it's really about the um, Ku Klux Klan terrorizing black people, and um, how black black men in the film were looked at as animals, attacking white white women, raping white women, um, and but what's what's the, the catch to that is there are no black people in the film. Uh-huh. So you wonder, right? How are there no black people in the film about black people attacking, you know, white women and, and, and things like that? And it's because of blackface. So this is when we, you know, we had I I I know we had seen blackface in other forms of media like advertisements in in, in uh, newspapers and also magazines, but we hadn't, but it hadn't been shown like this. Um, and to show uh, black people serving in various capacities in a courthouse and they're serving and then they're, they're, they're taking off their shoes and they're, they're eating watermelon and chicken. So when you see, when we talk about being um, offended by portrayals, you know, and how we're being represented in certain forms of media, you know, it's because it was used against us. Foods that we hold dear and tr- near, dear and true to us, um, it, it was used against us. So you had, um, like I said, white people in blackface, you know, portraying these characters and they're eating chicken wings and throwing the bones in the courtroom and eating watermelon and throwing the rinds and, and things like that and just being um, savages. And that's what the film really portrayed uh, black men and black people in general. So then. Can I um, ask a question, actually? Yeah. Because I know there was a Birth of a Nation that was done by Nate Parker. Is, is, that, is, yeah. that, is that the same movie no, or a completely Absolutely different movie? not. Okay. Absolutely <laughs> not. So. Similar story or no? No. I mean, no, no, not at all. So The Birth of a Nation with Nate Parker, that's a separate you know, when it comes to representation, it's a whole different thing. Um, because I do believe there was a lot of sabotage to his career. There was, there was. Um, he was played a little intense. bit of a role. Nate ain't perfect, but um, there was a lot of sabotage to his career. Um, I lost a friend because of him. Like, oh, wow. I don't believe he's a rapist. And she, to this day, has not talked to me since because she 
is I guess she is a um a survivor. And um, but I'm like, but he ain't rape you. Like, I just didn't understand how people were so quick to anyway. So and but, you need to be able to to be distinguish the art from the person too. Like, you know, you may not like the person, but the the arts has a message and I watch the Cosby show every day. There you go. Same here. I grew up with the Cosby show, like you know, no, R. Kelly's music. Well, you know, we even though R. Kelly is very, very problematic, and oh no, that's a R. whole other situation. <laughs> and I'm, I, I, and um, okay, so we'll we'll really quick do this sidebar. The difference between the R. Kelly situation and the Bill Cosby situation is that if you listen to R. Kelly's lyrics, mm, it's very problematic. You listen to it and you're like, oh my God, I would have never thought, right? Um, Aaliyah's a year older than me, was a year older than me, right? So we're the same generation. Yeah. And listening to her first album is hard for me. And I love her music. And I'm so glad it's available on streaming platforms now after all these years. But that's hard because the words... Yeah. Bill Cosby never made an episode about drugging and raping women. Very true. Right? Um, and I, I do believe that no means no. Um, I do believe that Bill Cosby has some some indiscretions, but um, in within the conf- context of, of drugging and raping, I think the woman that he was convicted of doing that to in like 2004 or something, um, I think she was in the latter years of all of this. Um, you know, he probably did. I don't want to say drug her, right? I think that when you partying, and at that time period, everybody was partying, everybody was taking drugs. Uh, you wake up with regret and feeling uncomfortable because you don't know what happened. I don't think that that necessarily is what you, I don't look at that as rape in the same context as someone being forced and violated and saying no repeatedly and all the things so um and that's and why i, would, I always think people. about like the reverence that his wife and felicia richard have for him and like the amount of respect they have for him like yeah. still and if the closest people to him have that um sort of reverence and the way they see him and the way he really loved his wife you have to sort of um put that into perspective and... no you don't serial killers really love their mamas <laughs> I don't feel that's Norman Bates kind of vibe for. Um. I mean, and, and and we can take it out of out of the uh, the fiction and put it into the nonfiction, right? I believe that Jeffrey Dahmer loved his mama. I believe that um, oh gosh, Timothy McVeigh loved somebody, right? But that doesn't mean, and I believe they were loved, right? Ted Bundy was loved, but I don't believe that that absolves anyone of guilt Mm. i think what my conflict internal conflict when it comes to how what like the cosby show raised me a different world raised me right um my conflict is the time that it took for people to come forward and then how the book was thrown but regardless of the time and um, I've never had that had that experience of you know being raped or drugged or anything like that. Um, but there is a certain amount of responsibility that comes with um, as, as a woman taking care of yourself 
and your mental health and things. So you sat and you suffered for 30 years. Like that is, I mean, I, so I'm not saying it didn't happen, but it was just the way it all rolled out and everybody wants, everybody started coming out the woodworks, but nobody was saying nothing in 1990 when it was the number one show on TV, you know, in 1987, when he created a spinoff that was wildly successful. Um, so that's where I had, I, 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 I struggle and I battle with, and I have no hard response when someone says, well, do you think Bill Cosby did it? Do you think Bill Cosby's guilty? All I can say is I still watch the Cosby show in a different world every day. Um, because I don't look at him as Bill Cosby. So like, um, okay, in, term, in terms but, of like Bill Cosby and how that show was so influential, do you think a, a lot of um, people began, began to model themselves after that family? Mm, I wouldn't say model okay. after the family. I think um, we aspired to achieve more and we believe we could achieve more right and that i think what is the biggest um thing you know there was a what 150 percent increase in applicants to historically black colleges and um institutions and i could definitely be wrong with how extreme that number is but it's a huge number um because of a different world because of the Cosby show, because of the images that we saw and not just the individuals, right? But also the um, the clothing, right? Um, the jobs that people held, the characters held on the show. Um, and I can go on and on, but I want to go back to the history of film because we were really wanting to get dig into representation in film. Okay. And, and, and just to say that, you know, when when films first started, it um, you know, of course, they were silent films and um, and there was no sound. And when sound came about, you know, the a person, the first person to speak on film was Al Jolson in The Jazz Singer in 1927. And don't ask why I still remember all this stuff, by the way. I have not looked up any of this recently. I just took a lot of film classes in um, undergrad, which was like 20 years ago. But anyway, so. I I find I found it interesting when you learn the history of that particular actor and that he used to dress in blackface because he um had uh, he didn't have stark European features if that makes sense. He had texture to his hair, you know, um he had fuller lips, he had a a, a bit of a rounder nose. You can Google Al Jolson, you know, um, but he dressed in blackface. And that was how a lot of people made money. I want to say he was Jewish, um, which is kind of, you know, the origin of those features. But it wasn't until, you know, maybe the 1930s that we began to see actual black people, right, on in film. Um, but in seeing actual black people in film, they were still in like subservient roles. And I mean, I want to say you saw them in like the twenties and things like that, but they were always background characters. Yeah. They didn't have, um, you know, a large, uh, performance role. Right. And so having roles, um, you know, in, in the 1930s where even though they were domestics, they were speaking and they were, you know, and it, and it showed um, positive images, you know, and it wasn't just the Sambo type. It wasn't just the Piccaninny, um, you know, uh, stereotype. It wasn't um, just the, uh, you know, the, the comedic buffoon, 
you know, wanting to please everybody, Uncle Tom type either, um, um, you know, and even though the Uncle Tom type was always the person who wanted to aspire to be like a white person, um, it, it wasn't that, um, it, it, it just, I like the fact that, you know, at least Hattie McDaniel played a role that Black women actually were serving in in, the, in, in that time period as opposed to her being um, overly sexualized or being downtrodden and things like that. So if you've seen the film Gone with the Wind, which I haven't seen in a very long time, but um, I I really, I, rem- I always remember, you know, her having a command of the house, you know, mm-hmm. her being that um, primary matriarchal type in a subservient role though. So then you, you know, you fast forward through time and you start to see, you know, um, filmmakers come out of this right and when you when you think about where we how we've gotten to where we are now you know we couldn't have gotten to where we are now without so many people who paved the way in film and television for that matter but in film in particular you know yeah you have the actors right you have the actors but then you have people like gordon parks you have people like Melvin Van Peebles. You know, you have you you have people who um, were physically filming their own movies in in the late sixties and seventies, right? You have people who were writing the scripts. You have people who were directing the films, and um and and you can't just dismiss uh, their contributions. And then you move into the Julie Dashes, you know, and people like that in the eighties. And, um, uh, and of course, Spike Lee and, and, um, as they call them, uh, the black pack, you know, when it comes to comedic filmmaking, um, and, 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 and what Robert Townsend, Keenan Ivory Wayans and, uh, help me Jesus. Um, why can't I think of that child's name? The what third child? member of the Black Pack. Um, Robert Townsend. And there's one more. Oh, it'll come to me. I'll yell it out as soon as it does. But um, <laughs> but you have them, you know, making um these comedic films, and they're using their own money, um. you know, and um and so you're seeing films that have primarily black characters. And they're not, uh, even though they're not, they may not be dramas, but they're, they are comedic that have a dramatic component, right? That have an action component. Like, I'm going to get you sucker. Mm. You know, uh, a film like that or um, films that are showing you what Hollywood, how Hollywood sees us, right? In Hollywood shuffle, you know? So when you have those, you have, um, you have people who are, um, who had one gone to college, you know, got an education and learned how to work the system. So black representation where it is today in film has come because so many people did the legwork, right? Um, to get us to where uh, we are and we still have a ways to go. You know, we really do. It's interesting. Cause like I was obviously born in the nineties and a lot of the visual representation of black men that i saw or black people not just men mm-hmm. where you know they, they were in college like um, um the real world like you mentioned the cosby show um mm-hmm. the best man um love and basketball um so many amazing like black movies and it was that um importance of you know 
going to HBCU, learning about, you know, your history and just forming that brotherhood and kinship that was sort of displayed. Then then outside of that, for sometimes the way I received those movies were they were sometimes not big blockbuster movies and and the big blockbuster movies were the ones where, you know, if it was a horror movie, for example, the black character will be killed first or mm-hmm. or there'd be a slave in the movie or just those subservient roles like you mentioned that was happening back in the day but mm-hmm. i mean for the past probably 15 years or 20 years now there's obviously been a change and it happens apparently there's a cycle that happens with sort of hollywood and black cinema where there's a rise in like positive representation and then there'll be a decline i feel like we're currently in a rise with black content being made like with the insecure and the um atlanta and the all the amazing other content that's being made. Mm-hmm. So we're right now at Black Panther, for example, we're in, in that moment right now. So do you do you think this moment is just going to keep going or do you think we're going to fall again into that cycle of, okay, mm-hmm. um, we're not making as much money, Black movies are not selling as much and there's going to be that decline or do you think this momentum is just going to keep going and won't stop? Mm-hmm. Two things. One, the Black Pack, Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, Robert Townsend, and... Keenan Ivory Wayne. I googled it, but I wasn't sure Eddie Murphy was in it. So I was just quiet. Yeah. Okay, I don't know. Oh if yeah. Anything. <laughs> yeah, because it, if you understand what the Rat Pack and who who was in the Rat Pack, right, and yeah. all the things that they brought, each person, everybody brought something. But they, but those uh, gentlemen actually uh, personified, you know, moving the conversation and moving the needle in how we are um, portrayed. Um, and how we, what we will and will not accept, you know, in terms of roles and, um, and how we won't settle. Right. And yeah, you can say all you want that Amy Murphy sold out here or senior sold out here, blah, 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 whatever, you know, Ken I Wayne's had a show on Fox. He sold out to the man, you know, things like that. But when you really look at it, you know, were it not for, these gentlemen in these particular lanes of Hollywood, right? You know, there were no black talk show hosts at night Uh, after Nat King Cole, and he only lasted a year. uh There were none. So for Arsenio to do what he did and to bring black culture to the masses, right? The way that he did, um, that was really powerful because I mean, I'm not saying white people didn't watch Soul Train, right? But Soul Train was a primarily black audience, right? And even though it was a nationally syndicated show for many years, but white people love late night talk show. That's a given, right? So for him to take um, that mantle and do what he did with it, and the reason he was canceled had nothing to do with his ratings, had nothing to do with the con with um with him as a person right it had to do with a guest a controversial guest so you think uh, about that and what happened? Um, oh he brought on the ministry louis farrakhan okay and they told him not to similar to debbie allen in a different world you know she they asked her not to do a show about the la riots and and she did it anyway and that was that led to the downward uh, spiral of a different world and not being because they were not doing poorly in ratings when they were canceled. Mm. So it ain't always about ratings. But um, but I, what I'm saying all that to say, going back to your question, um, 
you know, about where I think we're going. I think having gone um, through the ebbs and flows of representation and 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 the back behind the scenes uh, of different uh, films and whatnot, and uh, our hand in making. Um, these amazing films and winning all these different, and we still have Black First to come, right? And that, and I'm so tired of that, by the way. I mean, I welcome it because I love the fact that we are, you know, getting our due. But my gosh, the fact that we still have Black First, um, and Hollywood is it's just, I don't know, it's annoying. But we need it. We have to get there. Somebody got to be first. So, I mean, it's crazy that Halle Berry is still the only Black female that's won the Best Actress, no? Yeah, it's the only one that should have gone to Angela Bassett this past awards season. But... It was it would have been supporting for her, right? So you mm. have to also think about, um, you know, so um, Viola Davis winning um, for I believe was best supporting, you know, for Fences, and um, you have Octavia Spencer best supporting, um, and mm. Monique best supporting, you know. Um, and 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 Whoopi, I love Whoopi by the way. Yeah, uh, best supporting. Um, so yeah, and and I believe Hallie deserved that. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of controversy around that character and you know, the role that she played. Um, but I also felt like Sean Combs should have gotten more um, attention to the the small role he played too. If we can credit Viola Davis with her 45 seconds on screen in doubt with snot running down her nose, you mean to tell me that we can't take this young man who we all thought was just a music person Mm. and for him to play a death row inmate? And I mean, he got, I don't feel like he got his just due and it's been talked about in different circles anyway. But I say all that to say that um, I don't know if we'll ever devolve in our representation i don't know because we tired of this shit you know (laughs) and i'm not saying that i I don't want to see the slave movie right i'm not saying i don't want to see none of that yeah like anything black trauma is is done no more and and so We've seen enough. People, let me be very clear, though. There are still people who think the Holocaust didn't happen. Right? Mm-hmm. So, I don't hear Jewish people saying, we don't want no more Holocaust movies. And there are people who think that Black people have for real overcome, and, and they're okay, and why they keep complaining. Right? Still. So, unfortunately, those films are necessary. There are people who don't want uh, black history and slavery taught in schools like today right now they're removing historical books from schools so until people actually acknowledge that my ancestors were brought here in chains and they built this joint for free yes if you need to make a slave movie, as long as the storyline is good, and now we can jump into Birth of a Nation. Um, twenty was it twenty seventeen or twenty sixteen? I think. Um, we can do that, but yeah, those stories need to be told. You know, if 
unfortunately it didn't it didn't stay in theaters and it wasn't shown as much as it, i think it should have been but when you go to the national museum of african-american history and culture affectionately known as the blacksonian here in washington dc it's the only museum that is full of all things black history in america the only one that exists like that. There's an international African-American uh, history museum in South Carolina, but that really talks about more so the uh, the transatlantic the Atlantic slave trade and its relationship with South Carolina because more people came through there than any other place um, on the transatlantic slave trade. But to have the Blacksonian have Nat Turner's Bible and for people to not know who Nat Turner was, and these are black people who could have been his descendants. That's why Birth of a Nation story needed to be told. For young black people to think, well, why didn't they just um, fight back? Why they just take it? There are young black people who say that in this country. So yeah, I'm sorry, but we need as many um, uh, accurate stories told. Yeah. It, do I need to watch every slave movie? No. Like, for example, The Woman King, it sort of mm -hmm. tells a different perspective of slavery and how, you know, it was a reluctant sort of um, um, moment where a community was forced into having to give people in the community away. And then mm -hmm. it was this whole revolt and, you know, women, strong women soldiers that are fighting against, you know, the, the, the enemy, the ops, and you know, that yeah. kind of story i like because there are many stories like that like even with nigeria for example there are so many stories of 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 fighting back the colonization and and we have this amazing story on netflix about you know the history of colonization and how communities really did try to fight but there was just better weapons and that we, that africans just could not fight against and that was what caused the eventual um overtaking of the of the nation but, but that, in my perspective mean? the African that was brought brought to America. What do you mean? So you're saying you don't want to see other slave, any more slave movies, right? But we had 400 years of building this country here in America. We as descendants of African slaves brought here in chains. Where does that leave our stories? You know, where, where does that, um, because 12 years a slave is a very specific story. Uh -huh. You know, people were not captured and put into Free people were not captured and then put into slavery, right? That was not the common thing, right? So the birth of a nation, um, you know, to see how this man who was a man of God struggled with where he, where his people were and felt like I'm a man, like he's a man. So why does he get to rape my wife? Mm. You know, um, and then you have other um, films that are um, talk about, you know, specific storylines like the Harriet's and things like that, that, yeah, those stories need to be told because people really didn't know certain things about Harriet Tubman. They yeah, really you're, you're, thought, I mean, to this day, people think that Cicely Tyson playing Miss Jane Pittman was Harriet Tubman. There are still people who think that. And that's really unfortunate, you know, that Miss Jane Pittman can't be her own person and Harriet Tubman exists as her own person. Um, so I say all that to say that I don't think that it's it's necessarily we don't need more slave movies. We don't need more fictional stories told. 
We don't need the magical Negro in these slave movies. You know, we don't need more stories um, that are that have a fictional character inserted, like in the film Rosewood, to save the day. Tell the story. Oh, Django. You know, tell the story. No, Django was a fictional story, right? Um, and and I think that um, because the filmmaker is a white man, uh, I really don't give Django a lot of energy when having these types of discussions about representation. But I love the film. I love the actors in the film. I felt like um, it gave a it it, it it gave a new type of storyline when talking about slavery, right? Because people make it seem like once somebody was sold off the the family had to move on or they just died or whatever you know and now this man he literally teamed up with this bounty hunter and looked for his wife like people kind of forget that because you get so caught up in you know uh Django killing all these white people and freeing yeah, all these really slaves. a love story about you know coming back to get his wife coming back to get his woman you know yeah. and, and 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 not giving up and and holding on to uh what he remembered in on with that relationship and then creating this um brilliant plan in all honesty and it would have worked it fell apart <laughs> had the yes. white guy yeah just not calm down mental health break <laughs> but it was just triggered too much you couldn't hold it he just was like no nah, i'm sorry yeah, jamie i'm <laughs> over there dude so but but that is you know but then you still have you know roles played by beloved actors in that film that were problematic but you still had people like that that existed then so yeah there's nothing wrong with a slave movie as long as it's told in um in a way that people aren't only feeling the trauma of it right um I, I definitely applaud um, Will Smith for the film Emancipation. Okay. You know, people were like, oh, God, another slave movie, another slave movie. And I, and I just wonder how many of those people that had an issue with another slave movie actually watched Emancipation. You know, and I don't need, personally, it doesn't, I hate to say it like this, but it's not about Nigerians watching American films about slavery as much as it's about the people who are descendants of those people not knowing that these people actually did what they did and 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 the um the impact the impact of the image of that man's back you know i remember studying the transatlantic slave trade as an undergrad student um cuz i had a i have a minor in black studies and seeing that image like oh my gosh you know um and, and so I think that there are people who need to hear and need to see, and you don't know what film is going to touch home. So, mm. but it's a good point to be fair. You said I want in a slave movie, but you know what I can do without what? is I don't need um, if I don't want to see another story just about thugging and drugging in the hood without mm. lessons and without some some underlying like. Um, uh aha moments you know um that's what i can't deal with just for the sake of doing it because it's gonna sell um i want more than that and that's what i i'm glad that i don't think that's why i say we're not i don't see us devolving 
I think we're going to evolve and build on what already exists, right? So you look at a film by the brilliant RIP, John Singleton, and you look at Boys in the Hood, and you look at some of the things that are glorified, um, the violence and all these different things, right? And, and the drugs and all this stuff. But then you look at Lawrence Fishburne's character, who literally had a whole sermon on an empty lot. I had never heard of the word gentrification. That film came out when I was 11 years old. Never heard of that word before in my life. My family to this day cannot tell you what gentrification means. But in that film, Lawrence Fishburne's character, Furious Styles, defines gentrification. Yeah. That's why we need more. Because yeah. we, we need more fathers now. like that in movies. Just that role that Lawrence played, we need more of that in movies because he was a very powerful present father. Yeah. Yeah. And people miss that. People miss the single black mother that 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 had to let go of a relationship with her son to better herself and stay in school and earn a master's degree. People miss that. So yeah, we need more movies now because ain't nobody gonna want to see a, that same movie in 2023 for the first time. So we have to have that movie updated to 2023 with steal the the foundations of those characters so maybe the mama had to be online in school getting her master uh, from grand canyon university or something that's a maybe maurice chestnut just went left instead of right <laughs> no there has to be some there has to be a martyr you know uh, there has to be a martyr because those people really were murdered just uh, because right because he looked at somebody wrong I have I have a high school uh somebody from a high school class and somebody that I grew up with in my neighborhood one killed the other one because he looked at him wrong. Yeah, those things really did happen. So I don't see anything wrong with it. That's why um the film I mean the the a TV series Snowfall was so brilliant because in in woven in to all the glitz and glamour and, and, and I'm going to shoot this person, blah, 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 were these like moral lessons that a lot of people got because it's 2023. This is why we cannot do away with certain depictions um, in media because we have to be able to say, okay, I understand. I already know that this is bad, right? I've seen Boys in the Hood, blah, 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 right? I've already seen, you know, rappers die and do overdoses or whatever. But then you have the young man who accidentally murdered a child and how his life went after that and how he didn't want to be in that life anymore, but he felt he had to, that's all he knew. And he was able to protect an entire community because he reverted back to that life. Huh? Is this from The Shy? No, this is from Snowfall. Oh, okay. Because a similar story happened in The Shy where someone mistakenly killed a kid because he thought he, he killed his son. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. it, it is, that's totally different when, you, when it comes to the crack epidemic in the 80s. So uh -huh. Snowfall was set in the 80s, right? It was created um, by John Singleton. Um, and a lot of the earlier um, seasons were directed by him. And then he passed away suddenly, unexpectedly. Yeah. But um, but no, there is an entire character that his life took a different turn. He had a whole different outlook on life uh -huh. after having that traumatic experience. So we say we don't want to see any more Black trauma, right? But Black trauma is 
not just slavery, right? It's not just the KKK. It's not just racism. You know, it's a, it's a lot of times black trauma is self-inflicted. Uh, and that's and young people, unless you see it in 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 today's time, they they're not gonna believe it exists. That's really interesting. That's really interesting. Also, I, what, what I was also thinking was um because America is such a, an inspiration aspirational nation where you know one of the, the themes is anyone can make it, and so it would be it would be nice to see more content around black men who you know rose from the dirt and that made it that kind of content and i'm trying to think of content around you know people making it there probably are a lot of them but i, I can't can you think of any right now of, you know someone who just probably that one with will smith and and, and Jaden. what was that one they called mm -hmm. again the pursuit uh, of happiness the pursuit of happiness wait he made it in the end didn't he? he got a lot of money he became a rich man mm -hmm. yeah so I feel like movies like that too are important because that's also representation and that's also mm -hmm. something that would be a positive thing for people to see. So, yeah. Yeah, I think so. But, you know, um, there's a lot of... Um, when, you, when you think about stories like that, you know, those stories are based on a real person, right? Mm -hmm. So you also have to take into account that you have to have an audience for it, you know? So you say you want to see more of that, but does the masses, will it make money? You know, it's a reason why Hollywood is on strike right now, huh. you know, because of the distribution of wealth in Hollywood is very lopsided. Right. So, um, so yeah, thinking of things. Um, I wish you had asked me this in advance. I would have been more prepared. Um, but okay. um, pull yourself up by the bootstraps type. Um, and I really hate that that analogy because it's not. What if you don't have? What if you can't afford boots? What if you can't afford the boots with the straps? Right. Um, so not everybody is afforded the opportunity to do a Rubik's cube in a cab with the CEO or the stock. A brokerage that you want to work for no one is not everyone is afforded the opportunities like um chris in the in the pursuit of happiness okay. so i have i have one more mm -hmm. question mm -hmm. which um you know we we see a lot of uh, movies or, or creators like tyler perry mm -hmm. and when they do you know media or um ah, lawrence martin lawrence when he did big mama's house uh -huh. and you know there's that um black men dressing up as women mm -hmm. and you know being outlandish and over the top and being in movies and there's, there's always there's some conversation around that being problematic what do you what how do you how do you see being an american woman how how does that what kind of what kind of conversations do you have about that i think that um the outlandish um you know uh term and the over the top is uh it's, it's slightly homophobic and transphobic. Um, there are, you know, you have to, one, they're making comedy. You oh, know? Right, chicks. Okay. Oh, uh, they're, they're making comedy. Also, if you are a Black person who grew up in America, you can't tell me you ain't never met a Medea or a Big Mama. Yeah. It's and, um, yeah. 
And so if the the uh, personality was exaggerated a bit to get laughs, it's a comedy. Mm. Um, I am I don't watch a lot of Medea films, but that he doesn't make films for me. You know, and you have to uh, you you have to know that you're not going to be the audience for everybody. Exactly. You know, the the fact that he's making it, there's obviously an audience that's watching oh, it. Yeah. yeah, I got a whole family of them. It. <laughs> yeah, I got a whole family of them. So yeah, yeah. but they not he ain't making it for me. You know, mm. there are films that he's made that I actually like. I love the uh, the uh single mothers club, single mom um single mom's club. It? Yeah, single mom's club. Diary of the Black Family that prays. Yeah. Uh no, I don't yeah. Mm -hmm. No? It's wow. Okay. No, no, it had, it has like, its issues for me. No, but that's, again, that's, he don't make everything for me. Yeah, uh but I do I love Medea's family reunion. Yes, yes. That you was know? a good movie. Um so I think about things and then I'm noticing too that he is not uh forcing things as much as he used to in his mm. more recent films um aside from like the Medea stuff or whatever um but yeah i don't I, because i am a i'm a thinker and i'm a cerebral person i don't need you to uh show me a film that is basically a play on video mm. you know it's, it's it's a little too much telling i like to figure things out a little bit please you know so things like that um but and it's really hard oh, because I I was more prepared to talk about uh, social media in films. Yeah, I know. Um, but, but, but this kind of conversations, we just it just goes with the flow. You can also yeah, yeah I know, I know. Right? I'm just saying. You know? I I wish that I had thought about you know a, a film where someone started out with. Nothing. I mean, missed out. Missed out. Fire is a, is a film by um I can't remember his name now. That amazing, legendary, iconic. Actor, Robin Williams, you know. honey. There you go. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know, he I feel like he's probably he did all of that before all of Martin Lawrence and wait, but even in um what's that series Martin Lawrence had with Gina? You know, he always had Shaniqua or some some lady. Do you know Shinene. that? Shinene. <laughs> so you know, it's always existed. And, and, I and again, Shinene was based on Martin's sister. Yeah. You know, uh, so you 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 say that you know these over the top and these you know why are these men putting on dresses and you know um, an actor that um, that I know personally and I won't say names or the film but put on a dress and he said his career went down. Oh, we all know who that is. <laughs> no, we all don't. It wasn't Big Mama's. It wasn't Big Mama's house too. He was. I, I will say that um, there was a film that this person was in and again he's a personal friend so i don't want i don't like to get into all that but um and his career went to shit and um he claims right yeah. but when you you can claim that but when you look at the bigger picture you had other things going on in your life too that led uh, to your career taking fair, okay I, I just feel like because i've heard that story before i mean probably not the same guy because i was going to say someone mm -hmm. who's, who said something similar to probably so but my point is like Hollywood it's not about like, who it is, right? Mm. My point is, is that I think that because I don't think that um, Martin Lawrence's career went no. left after he did no, Big Mama's House. He did so you know, many movies after that. I don't like think that Patrick one. Swayze's career went left after he did Two Wong Fu. Thanks for everything. No more. You know, so that's what I'm saying. I don't think that that is necessarily it. it I mean, when you have your own social and political 
feelings about certain types of people and things like that, that could, that has now plays a role in how you look at things. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I, when I, I'm like listening, you know, in a private setting and I'm listening to this story and I was like, no, you, you, you cool, but nah, that ain't, I don't think that was it. Um, but yeah, I had a gentleman the other night tell me that, uh, that, uh, Martin Lawrence and he didn't even get the name right, but Tisha Campbell were in an intimate relationship and that's why she left the show at the end. And I was like, that's not true. Like, don't just make stuff up because you're trying to sound smart. You know, no, it wasn't. And Martin has even had to apologize to her privately and publicly because he let drugs take over his judgment and he was making inappropriate advances at this woman because he was on drugs. So a lot but of times- Did she like foul like, a harassment suit? And she, yeah. yeah, she had to file a harassment suit and have a, a restraining order. That's, that's kind of me. You know? <laughs> but he was in a really dark place and he was, mm. he was abusing drugs. He said that. He said it in his comedy special. He almost died. He was in a coma for a little bit. Um, yeah. Trying to make one of the big mama houses because he was overheated and not taking yeah. care of himself. And then he did a comedy special and he said he was, um, the whole line was, I was on that ooh-wee. You know, that's that, that's like, like the popular line from that special. And and I'm like, how would you, why would you say she didn't want to end her marriage and all this kind of stuff, And but they were really intimate. No, they were not. You know, um, so I just say all that to say that I will never say just because a man put a dress on in a film. You know, like I said, uh, Patrick Swayze, Wesley Snipes, and John Leguizamo all did amazing jobs. And I almost watched that last night, by the way. <laughs> I ended up getting on a long call, but I love that film. Because Noxima, honey, Noxima was giving it to us. But after that film, Wesley Snipes did Blade. Yes, one of the best. Uh, so you mean to tell me that he put on a dress, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> and he had his career like took off not because of the dress, but you know that was the trajectory he was on. You just went on that trajectory, bro. That's it. Yeah. You I know, um, and there are things that we do to sabotage our own relationships with people, with the gatekeepers, with our we sabotage our own careers. Mm. Um. Sorry, that's my dryer. Um, but but I just I don't believe that, that. I think that was just an excuse, and I don't do excuses. So I'm like, oh. okay. So um, because originally the conversation was meant to be black representation and social media, so let's steer the conversation to social media now, sure. and uh, let's uh let's see the influence of 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 how social media sort of affected the way content is being made or the stories in the content being made and how it's being consumed. Hmm. So, like, for example, um, so conversation about how social media plays a role in content being made, the content itself, and how we receive the content. So, for example, mm -hmm. I was just thinking about this earlier, Gossip Girl, the new, even the the, the previous um, iteration of Gossip Girl, how how social media was very infused in the story, and and how you know that was really the driving force for the story, you know, social media and the effects of of social media in terms of our mental state and how mm -hmm. influential it is, how influential it is in terms of relationships, how influential it is in terms of a career and uh, how we see ourselves. And mm -hmm. yeah, so, so that was just something I thought I would, we could 
have a conversation about. And obviously, okay. we, we mentioned a couple of movies around social media, like mm-hmm. uh, the movie with, uh, I'm going to say the Nia Long movie again, with Storm Reach, Storm, Stormy. Storm Reach. Storm Reach, thank you very much. And how social media was used and infused in that movie. Mm-hmm. And there's also another movie with, um, by, I'm sorry, another series by Issa Rae called Rap Shit, where, you know, every episode is infused with characters using social media to connect with, you know, their audience in the movie. And we're watching this. So, yeah, but what mm-hmm. do you think about, about um, all of that? So you said a, a lot, right? So let's <laughs> unpack, let's let break it down a little bit for the viewers and the listeners, right? So you, you first spoke about um, content creation. Because I don't look at films as content, right? Um, I think of content or things that live on like social media platforms. Um, you know, so film contains storylines, right? And plots and twists and all the things. But when it comes, but filmmaking is shifting because you have YouTube, you have iPhones that do, you have iMovie. You know, um, and I mean, I mean, you have Android that does this and can do the same things. And um, and so I think that the, um, you know, I, I mentioned the uh, the Black Pack and I mentioned Robert Townsend and he made this um, cult classic film um, called Hollywood Shuffle. Robert Townsend made that film and used his credit cards. He basically charged up every credit card he could to pay people to get locations, to, to get the lights and the cameras, all the things, right? Because he, because this is 1985, 86 or whatever, and there were no iPhones, right? Um, and you think about how so many breakout stars have come from a social media platform called YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. And now they're coming from TikTok. And, and you see where... Um, where things are going and um and there are also um there are a lot of films outside of just missing the film that stars on um, storm reed um and neil long um you um, you know films outside i mean shows outside of rap shit the Issa ray created um series um and then you have other um films that also sorry um that also have like the text bubble pop up right um, that also have emojis pop up in different places. I think even um, the the Sex in the City spinoff and just like that has it every now and then, right? Yeah, um, and you know, but th- all of that comes from the thought bubbles that pop up in cartoons, right? And they've done it in other films years ago, even you know, and you, and and you have that. But in terms of being of having the availability and the bandwidth to create this content, you know, um, a great example of that, and this isn't a film, but um, it, it it's a series, and 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 it was a beautifully crafted um, concept. Is Bel Air, you know, um, and I'm a little biased because I'm from Kansas City, and um, the creator of Bel Air, Morgan Cooper, is from Kansas City, but uh, but you Fresh have- Prince Bel Air, that one. So let's keep them is separate. A different one? Right? No, Bel Air is the dramatic interpretation of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, right? Yeah. And it and it streams on Peacock. Yeah. Are you saying a different one? No, I'm oh same one. Okay, okay. Just trying to be clear because <laughs> yeah. So you have this 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 um idea, right? 
that was like a little music video vignette type thing. Like, what if Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was gritty and dark? You know, what if Jeffrey was that dude, you know, that you don't want to mess with? I love Jimmy, by the way. I took a picture with him. Uh, You know, um, and... I I like the new... Um, but that is very right. interesting. Very and but don't get me wrong, you know I watch Fresh Prince of Bel Air all the time because it's on so many stations, you know, in syndication. But it's a whole new look of it, right? And the and it all started from Morgan Cooper posting this little three minute what if, you oh. know, and Will Smith saw well somebody got it to Will Smith and then he was like yo okay, this I think is I dope. remember that I think I remember seeing that like a dark trailer for like a a Bel Air series I think I remember seeing that actually well yeah so it so so what I'm saying though is that that came out of social media mm. you know he posted that it wasn't even on I don't think TikTok was out back then no, I think I it was think like so. on Twitter it's on YouTube or something I think it was on Twitter well people start sharing the YouTube link on Twitter. And it, it just gained momentum, right? So when you look at um, how social media has, you know, like Issa Rae, you know, now she's a film star. She plays the president of the United States in the new Barbie movie. That's right. Where did Issa Rae start? YouTube. YouTube, Misadventures of an Awkward Black Girl. That's right. You know, so you think about the how social media has been this springboard for so many amazing black, and I mean across the diaspora, when I say, so I'm black American, right? And even though in your country, y'all don't do black Nigerian, because that's like an oxymoron, because all y'all black in countries, you know, that don't have all black people, you know, you gotta say that, like I'm a black Brit or something like that, right? So, but I think about black representation across the diaspora. I think about, you know, how the there are black American actors and actresses that always credit maybe their their relatives or their mom who immigrated here from Jamaica or Trinidad with, you know, how they can stay focused and get things done. And, you know, Shirley Ralph does it a lot. You know, she makes it very clear where her people are from and and how she gets her work ethic. And, um, and, and you know, I think about people who um, who come here and, and, and I'm going to be very clear. When um, when you look at uh, some of the the origins of some of our favorite actors and how they got to where they are. Right. And, 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 it, and, it, and it does tell me that it's changing the narrative and it's changing how, how we not only are viewed by other people, but I care more about how we view ourselves first. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said we need some of those horrible traumatic stories because our young people don't know. They walk around here just killing each other like it ain't nothing. Um, but going back to the social media part, it's so many um, things that are coming down the pike that are the brainchild from a platform somewhere. And that's exciting. That is, um, it makes you believe that the kids are all right. Uh-huh. You know, it makes you think there's hope in the future. And um, and we're not going to, we're, we're not raising just rappers, but we're yeah. also raising moguls, you know, um, and, and, and so when these hashtags come out, you know, for, for different phrases, maybe that come from somewhere or 
um, or when these hashtags come out for these films that are that are so popular and they're trending, you know, you have to like, you know, participate in that because that's what keeps our stories on the minds and on the lips of, of the gatekeepers in Hollywood. Hollywood, Bollywood, Nollywood, all of them, right? And, um, you know, I, I was, um, I think I was talking, we, we had spoken before about um, Ariana DeBose and her doing this song, you know, and talked about uh, Angela Bassett did that, I think, or something like that. She yeah. Mine. And then Angela Bassett then said it in her. I guess I did that. <laughs> And she said, I guess I did that, you know, mm-hmm. and but she but Ariana performed that song at the BAFTA Awards, if I'm not mistaken. And for her to do it at the British Film Awards and not the Oscars or the Globes or the SAG or whatever, you know, that tells you that our representation is evolving and things when things are going viral. You know, that's something to to you have to take stock in and you have to um, tip your hat to some of these some of these the positive things, you know, well, when things are when when these concepts and these young people are like posting their um, their homemade videos that they've done, you know, but you even go as far as think about um, comedians and um people who do these little, have all these characters they play and all these different things and influencers and all these people that are now pouring in to film content, film stories. You know, when you think about that, it it, it, it makes, it, it does, it gives you a new sense, a renewed sense, right? Of, of how we're represented in media as a whole and how films are getting more and more creative. Uh, on how they are um, integrating social media into their um, their storylines, into how the the you know you get to see the sausage making process in a way, right? Um, the behind the scenes a little bit, and it's a part of the movie at times. So um, so yeah, I think that that's super dope. I um, and then you have social media being used um like in the film the blackening and you and i both have seen it and um and how you know uh, i remember they asked the guy well how are you invited and he was like i got an evite you know (laughs) and when i am but they're but they're on their phones or you they're they're trying to get a signal right and they're trying to see how can i post somewhere can i do this can i do that like the role of us being wanting to stay connected through social media and how it's being portrayed on film, I think is is really is really masterful, and it, it it's evolving. And I and I'm not I'm not opposed to that, but I don't think that we're going to ever revert back to um, like horrible representations, and it's going to be widely accepted. I think with the um, Black Lives Matter movement um, and with the uprisings around the country, I'm sorry, around the world. After the killing of unarmed black men and women, I don't think that we will ever just revert back to the way it was. And I think that for the most part, because you said we always go up and down, up and down. I don't I, I believe that the down in like the 80s or 90s came out of I don't think that there were black filmmakers making that the down part. Right. 
And um, and so, but when the masses are consuming it, you know, they don't care who, you know, I read credits. I don't know about you, yeah. but I read credits. Yeah, I think the, the main thing now is there's so much diversity in the in the in the behind the scenes in the writers' room, in the directors' yeah. room, the content, the the the, the ideal rooms. But compared to before, where it was just not diverse and it was just mostly white, powerful, strong, rich men or women. Yeah. But now there's that diversity, and so there's that influx of amazing new stories, and we're just absolutely rush into the cinema or to the to wherever is streaming to consume these movies and um i think this has been an amazing conversation yeah. i think um you've you've just provided so much information about you know the the journey of black representation in cinema like i love how you started this with the history and i was just here consuming everything like wow this is this is amazing this is perfect because i didn't know a lot of what you were saying and it was like a, it's a lesson and that's where a lot of the audience or the, the, the viewers or listeners would get because we're learning so much and a lot of my content consumers are british black african and mm. are in the arts and so this is interesting to 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 see that i'm gonna ask one last question that just yeah. popped in my head now what mm -hmm. do how do americans feel because you're very you're very much in the arts and you've got connections with people in film and tv like how do you feel about black british people coming over there and taking the roles <laughs> taking yeah because i mean winning uh, getting getting the roles getting not taking but um getting the roles like for example slow force slow uh, you force, don't have yeah. to a, give me examples yeah. i know okay <laughs> uh, so is there conversations this that, is what do, i do do they have conversations about it like oh god oh yeah for sure there's a lot of debate a lot of it happens on social media i i am a definitely a part of black twitter when i'm always you know and i'm not like providing information on twitter like that um because i feel like ain't nobody paying me but uh i do participate in the discussion sometimes or in you know on private facebook pages and i think that um the concern is did they even look right did they consider mm. and we don't know to be honest with you, people are speculating, but that's the concern. It's like, you know, why wasn't, you know, why didn't y'all consider an American to, instead of having a British actor learn the accent, right? Um, and then you, you see my favorite, you know, you see Daniel Kaluuya, and you see how he has a genius level command of language and dialects. And you wonder, is that person out there that could have done that role in that way and had the impact that he had? And I don't think that his abilities, um, I think it's a I think it's a bonus that he's British. But I don't think his abilities, um, I think it's just who he is, right? And 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 him being just a brilliant black man, that's how I look at it, you know. Um, but like I don't think anybody else could have played Stringer Bell. You know, I don't think um I I, I think I, I I don't um and don't get me wrong, um, there's a few people 
that that have been thrown around who could have played Franklin Saint, right? And um, but John Singleton shut that down and uh-huh. and and said that you know when he auditioned, he became this guy. I mean, you know, the way he just shifted, you know, and um, and you know, I I, I think my biggest struggle was with um Dan a, a David Oyelowo. Um, when he played Dr. Martin Luther King. Okay. But there is a certain level of naivete, innocence, and cluelessness that comes with someone who is not a descendant of African slaves brought to America. Mm. That allows the, the filmmaker to mold that person. In a way, there's let I think honestly, there's less work on the part of the filmmaker. Okay. When it comes to those heavier um, stories of these iconic figures in American history, that's my opinion. Um, and that does not take away from David Oyelowo's brilliance um, and how um, and and just you know you you lose him in his characters like. A lot of other British actors, like a lot of other actors in general, in my opinion. Um, but uh, but I think that when we when we talk about taking roles and here and there, like I mean, I felt some kind of way, you know, when I learned um, when I first uh, there is an actor. He's a white actor, but I was like, oh my god, he's British. He's been in so many movies that I like. Um, this kid, he was in the he was in Meet the Millers. Um, with Jason Sudeikis and um, and oh yeah, that guy uh, um, uh, yeah. yeah. This kid, <laughs> um, this is in a new Marvel movie or like DC movie now, isn't he? Um, um, probably DC. Uh, but I didn't know until the film Detroit came out, and he talked about his discomfort with some of the scenes that he did with um, Bill Poulter. That could be his name. Yeah, that's his that's name. But what's the what's the um the kid Smith Algie Algie Smith Algie Smith yes and he, and he talked about having to like hit this guy and do things to him and he was like the, the I had to like dig deep and find some kind of anger towards people that I've never been angry towards and you know like that I mean that's also part of acting right but he was British. I couldn't believe it. And I believe, and so, um, and this goes to um, the young man that played the, uh, the, uh, the, the antagonist in Emancipation. So when they did the behind the scenes of Emancipation, and this guy isn't British, but he just talked about the importance of getting his character right. He's the, um, the bounty hunter that was tracking Will Smith's character. And while they were rarely in a scene together, they had this conflict throughout the, the film. But he's an American guy, right? And he, um, but he talked about the importance of getting it right because people need to see and understand the mindset of these people, uh-huh. the white people back then. And he said, I had to get it right because I wanted to make sure that I was doing um, not only the main character story justice, but also the 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 um the people who who still don't believe right that slavery was that bad who still don't believe that they are racist right 
and he talked about that and, and it was on the red table talk as a matter of fact and i thought that was so dope and so going to the back to the british actors i think that because it's similar to you saying you know you don't want no more black trauma porn um is is that when you come from a country where everybody looks like you and nobody is telling you that you're less than and treating you like you're less than and creating systemic but systemic it, 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 well, that's the thing like africa mm -hmm. might not have racism but there's also systemic uh, oh yeah i know what i'm saying things, though in terms of a place where you know it's classism people, over there like, right classism right yeah. and honestly um i don't agree with any of that either but the fact that you can't so in, in a classist society you can fake it in a different way right mm. you you have to be of a specific hue to pass as white right <laughs> you have to have straight hair lighter eyes super fair skin to pass right but in a classist society you can lie cheat steal yep you know and and show up in a room and nobody will know this is a big um uh, argument i had with my best friend who is mexican and italian and he talks about trying to make the correlation between being black in america and being a homosexual in america right or being the lgbtq plus community and i'm like boy when you walk in a room don't nobody know you gay they only know when they ask you where's your wife and you be like my husband or something right yeah. but when i walk in the room the first thing they see is that I'm black. Mm. And the second thing they see is that I'm a woman. So that's when I have to, that's why I always say, while you may not agree with these stories that a lot of us feel like need to be told because of your lived experience and your background, I, I do feel that um, you have a different perspective and there's nothing wrong with that. But understand that there are people who need to see some of these stories right yeah. and then going back to um i i want one i'm all i'm all about everybody black it's room for everybody right uh, is it's enough money to go around i'm all for that and i'm not saying that in order for us to have more money white people gotta have less money right i don't believe that i won't i and, and i'm not a socialist but i do want a, a more balanced distribution of wealth right you have people like holding on to all this money and then they get tax breaks. That don't make sense. How are you getting tax breaks and you make a, you know, $8 billion a year? You know, that's crazy to me that, I mean, I have a sticker on one of my computer, on one of my laptop cases that says I pay more in taxes than Donald Trump. That's crazy. <laughs> when I made $60,000 in a year, I paid more in taxes than Donald Trump. 60 that's not a living wage in washington dc it's not so i say all this to say that i hope that if the british actor is more qualified and does a better job um then so be it but i hope that they at least look you know they look for for an American actor to play historical American figures. And it, it's not easy um, when, again, like I said, 
when you grew up listening to Dr. Martin Luther King and your grandmother had his picture on the wall and all this stuff, it you won't have that same um, openness to learn as someone who didn't grow up with that. And that's what, and I want to say, um, I don't, I don't want to quote Ava DuVernay, uh, but I want to say I got that idea and that understanding from her and Oprah having a, a conversation on, you know, one of Oprah's uh, shows. And I was like, <clears throat> I never looked at it like that. Having, and it wasn't that he was British. It was that when he approached the idea of performing this character and getting into character, he had no backstory. Nothing that that uh, muddied the water. Similar to um, Daniel Kaluuya playing Fred Hampton. I One, it was so brilliant. I just was shocked. And I had an early screening of it. And I sat there and I watched it. And I'm a big Lakeith, Lakeith fan. Um, and I was, and my heart just broke for Lakeith having to play that character of all people. But there were so many things I didn't know, and I call myself knowing a lot about Black history, um, that had occurred um, to this young man. He was 21. Wow. 21. I just couldn't wow. look. I just was like, wow, you know. But I don't know if an American actor would have done Fred Hampton that level of justice. Could have done him justice, you know. I just don't know. I, 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 and, um, and the fact that they look nothing alike, uh-huh. and I forgot that was Daniel Kaluuya, who was a black Brit. You know, uh, and, and, and honestly, let's that let's take away you know nationality. I forget that's Denzel Washington playing Malcolm X. You know, I do because he did it so convincingly. You know, um, and so I think it's just about the talent of the actor. Um, and I think that um, I hope that they are considering young black men for a lot of these roles, um, because honestly, but I mean, let's 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 be, be real, though. There are there are some roles that young black women are not considered for. And there are black women overseas that come from or from you know the islands or something and you don't know till they do an interview because of the accent you know change and i think that when you know more than one language it's easier for you to adapt to another accent than it is for someone who uh who only speaks one language Uh uh a joke that i tell people often um that my spanish professor said to us, um, I was a Spanish major for two years when I was in undergrad, but a joke that he said was, um, you know, what do you call a person who is bilingual? I mean, um, who speaks two languages, bilingual? What do you call a person who speaks three languages? Trilingual, right? What do you call a person who speaks like, you know, four more languages, multilingual? But what do you call a person who speaks one language? American. <laughs> and, yeah. And we all but laugh. Wait, but the Spanish... It- being taught in classes. I'm sure there's French being taught in classes. Boy. But you don't pick up the language. That's why I changed my uh, major. That's yeah. interesting. I never thought about that. You have that. to be immersed. 
You can't just uh, sit in a class. There are people who are linguists who are really good at that, who pick up language and dialects very easily. And I don't know Daniel Kaluuya's process in doing that. I would love to hear him talk about it though, because he's just hilarious anyway. Just the, like he said that um, he learned how to talk like someone from Ohio when he did a, a Queen and Slim. He said he went to Costco's. And he put an S on Costco. I think that's just how powerful like the American media is because even here in the UK, we all watched American TV and everyone was trying to just mimic the accent, the mannerisms, every it's so wild how influential American content is around yeah. the world. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I agree. And um, I mean it, it it's it's always amazing to me when I hear um you know a K-pop singer singing in english sounding like taylor swift you know yeah, even the way they dance like you know that, I was gonna, uh, you that know, was the next thing right <laughs> so, yeah i totally get it i do i mean i think it's amazing when i see that there are asian hair braiders <laughs> i was like oh, media right there it's, hell no wild mm -hmm. it's so wild yeah so so yeah, um, that's a really good question. And I think that we, as you have more um, Americans on your podcast, on your show, that should be like the, okay. Have you ever watched Inside the Actors Studio? Yes. I, I don't think it'd make it anymore, but I used to watch it so much. Yeah. That, yeah. He passed away, unfortunately. Oh, but Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. Uh -huh, he got sick. Uh, so I used to, I was very into Inside the Actors Studio mm. and I loved the questions at the end of the show. Right. And I think that that's something that maybe you can um, use for your show. So how does it go? What do the last questions always sound like? Or what would they like? Because I can't You know, remember. it'll be like, what's your favorite curse word? And then it's, it's like, you know, if there is a heaven, what do you want God to say to you? I'm not telling you to use those questions. I'm saying well, you know what? Since you've brought that up now, I think this is the perfect way to wrap you know up. What? The... <laughs> But you know, actually, what I was thinking was, um, I don't know where I saw this from a, a different podcast, but I think mm. I would like to integrate something where I, I, I ask you to ask the next person a question. Like, what, mm -hmm. what question would you like to, to ask someone who's the next person I'm going to be speaking to? I mean, that's really hard because you have different um, subjects every... Uh... Yeah, but it's usually based around film or TV. Okay. Yeah. So what would you... And I'm going to show them this clip too. Right, right. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> it's two part. Yeah, okay. okay. So what is one film or TV show that you would love to, do, to have remade? Like, okay. So a reboot one film and or TV show. That's the first question. And then what is one film or TV show, just one, that it's untouchable? Great question. Great question. Great so question. I would like both, it's a two part, but mm -hmm. yeah, because you know there. this is always a debate um, in different circles of mine on, on social media and whatnot, like, you know, oh my God, you could never redo this. Oh my God, I can't believe they're remaking that. Why would they do that? They're messing it up. And like, for example, Aristocats does not need to be made. They don't need to do nothing to Aristocats. Um, Who? If you've heard Aristocats, you know that Disney cartoon? I was a cartoon, no. 
yeah, this is like, oh my god, I've heard and, of um, the guy Quest Love is remake. He's doing like a live action remake. He's probably producing or directing the live action remake. Oh, that means the soundtrack gonna be dope. Okay, I mean, yes, but it's so such an iconic Disney like eighties or early nineties cartoon that I just feel like it shouldn't be touched. The animation is perfect. Everything is perfect. Just like I mean, I'm I'm the Little Mermaid was amazing. Halle Bailey's like just perfection and she's so mm-hmm. but like the cartoon is i don't think it should have been touched it's fine you know as much as i love the movie i enjoyed the story i enjoyed the casting it was diverse you have a whole ass show about representation yeah but <laughs> i you know, know but i'm just girls saying i'm just saying like, were inspired you know, by that i just yeah. sent my little cousin a whole backpack lunch pack <laughs> pencil bag set with the Black Little Mermaid. And you know, my nieces too, like it was a whole theme. We went to watch in the cinema, like it was a whole theme. Just like when the first Black Panther came, Black Panther came out and we all went to the cinema all dressed up. Like it's a whole theme. And I understand that, but there could be fresher stories told instead of a remake. They can. So. And, but I thought that they did a good job with the freshness of that story. They did. And you know, she's they, a great I, actress. Like she didn't yeah. need to speak. I, I could... She was she was perfect in the way she was relaying her emotions on screen. It was very you just, yeah. Like you, I, you barely realized she wasn't talking. Like it, it was really good. Yeah. Right, like most yeah. of the movies you didn't even talk. So, yeah. but I, but I'm saying you know having like it's reimagined, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with having things reimagined, but there are some that you don't want to touch, right? Uh. So. I can see them redoing Back to the Future. The yeah, I've not seen that one, so I'll, I'll happily see Back to the Future again. I yeah, love I Back would, to the Future. Like I'm a big that, Michael yeah. J. Fox fan. I still yeah. watch Family Ties because it comes on this uh, old station, you know, that shows old stuff. But could you imagine Back to the Future with a black kid? You or... just likely made something similar to like a time traveling. Um, like a movie did you watch it it was very where he had spike lee spike jones spike lee spike jones on netflix where um um a, a guy and a girl teenagers and um something happened but they were like science but no i mean the time no i mean thing. the same reimagine back to yeah. the future not just a time traveling thing right Reimagine Back to the Future from the perspective of a black kid, yeah. you know, uh, or even a, um, a Latinx kid. Like I thought, the new Transformers was brilliantly done because you have this Latinx young man playing this title role, and, uh, and I, I'm such a huge Dominique Fishback character, uh, a, a fan. Right. It's just ridiculous. Anything she's in, I'm gonna watch it. I just like, I'll stop everything. So, but I thought that was so cool to have. And I didn't know that Pete Davidson was the lead Autobot voice, right? Pete Davidson, Pete Davidson. Kim Kardashian, from, Pete Davidson. From, you know no. what? He from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> um, yeah. So he was the voice of the Autobot, you know, and I thought that was really cool because I didn't know that until after I saw the movie. Oh, and I was wow. like, oh, that was Pete Davidson because I was trying to figure out who he was, you know? And um, so that was really cool. And I think that um, there's so many, and that was like a prequel, 
right? That was from like the mid nineties, and the soundtrack. Oh, I tried to buy it, but the soundtrack don't have all those songs on it. They ain't right for that. But uh, but they had all the like they had all the Biggie and the Nods, and they had all those nineties like hip hop tracks from like New York. You know, it was really wow. cool. So that's what this new Transformers is. It's like a throwback movie, like. Wow, I th- and I'm watching that today too. So that's amazing. Ooh, I'm really looking forward to that. It. Oh, wow. it's really good. It's really good. I want to see it again. Maybe I'll go see that tonight. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's Black Restaurant Week here in DC. So I have a date at seven. And I'm like, maybe we can go to the movies after I see Transformers again. Um, but yeah, and I just want to eat some chicken. Cause I've been I've been cleansing and eating healthy. Look look at my lunch. I'm not all the way done with this. Maybe my lunch tomorrow. <laughs> salad. I've been drinking my water. Uh, my bladder is gonna explode soon, so I'm, we're gonna have to wrap up. But yes. but think about uh, questions like you asked me about um, you know how do I feel about British people coming to America taking a role that could have been for Americans. Um, think think about questions like that, like that those those very um, not so specific to the type of uh, episode you're doing. Mm-hmm. I think that that would be, and you could be like three or four. It didn't have to be a whole lot, and you know, but but I think that would be really cool. Yeah, I would definitely take that on board. Thank you so much, Doctor Neo Show, and this has been an amazing episode. This I've learned so much. Everyone's going to learn so much, and please, we have to have another session like this because. Yeah. Give me a topic. Talk about anything. So, um, thank you all very much for watching, for listening, streaming. Thank you, Doctor Neo Show. This is the Real Happy Hour podcast, and see you soon. Thank you. All right. Mm, Nice. (laughs) Thank you so much. So, sleep.